0: Hey, everybody, it's Quincy. Welcome to part one of our story in our words, part of this three part series of Man versus Marriage, Mine and Genie's Story. I hope you enjoy it. Love to get your feedback. Have a great day roll tide. In this episode of Man versus Marriage, it's our story, it's the story of us. The podcast. How good do you want your life to be? It's truly about becoming the best version of yourself that's possible. This is Man vs. Marriage, the podcast. And welcome back to another episode of Man vs. Marriage. It is I, the Q, diggity dog in the studio with my wife, Jeannie Moran. Say hello or whatever salutation you like, honey. Hi. Hi. Yes. So today we are gonna talk about our story, who we are, where we're from, how we met, talk about our marriage, kids, adversity and parenting and marriage. And how did we get here? And the reason I want to do this, the primary reason is, is because when this started, the show started, it was me um, on the mic and it was Coach Rita. And the audience has my side of the story. We did bring you in some from time to time. And then she had some family obligations and had to step aside. So Coach Rita stepped out of the show and you filled her shoes and we started the next era of Man versus Marriage. Um, And I don't know that our story has ever been put out there in full. So I don't know how long or short the episode is going to be, but it's going to give you a great introduction to who we are, to what our story's about, and to how this podcast became a thing. And I think uh, from the US, to Canada, to Mexico, to Scotland, to Nigeria, to India, to South Africa, Australia, and beyond, even some Ireland listeners in there, um, it would be nice to have a point where it's like, okay, let's tell our story in our own words. And it might be sticky, it might be messy, it might be complicated. Some questions might take you by surprise. Um, And if they do, honey, just speak up and uh, we'll work through it. But to begin with, I just want to tell a little bit about who we are and where we're from. Um, I just had the privilege of uh, turning 43 years old. And I say the privilege because life is definitely a gift. And... um, I hail from the great state of Alabama, kind of back and forth, and uh, went to some school, some college out there, a little bit of school out here in Southern California, um, but ultimately made the move to uh, Southern California for good until now, back in 1997, with aspirations to play some college football and uh, get me an education and my life took a bit of a different path. Um but my uh my story did start in Alabama and uh when my parents got divorced, I moved to California with my mom and lived with uh, her and her family. And at the age of 10, moved back to Alabama. Um for a couple years, back to California at 13 and then finished high school and started college out in Alabama. So that's kind of the story of a very like brief overview of myself and uh I am one of four kids. I got two sisters and one brother. So I do have some sibling uh love in my life. I guess you could call it love in most cases. Um <laughs> and uh then back in you know the What was it, like 2009-ish? Um, my brother and I tried out for The Biggest Loser. We had a great interview, by the way. And we tried out for Extreme uh, Weight Loss, or Extreme Makeover, the Weight Loss Edition, and uh, had a great uh, interview. Didn't make that one because the uh, producer was an Auburn fan, and we are, in fact, Alabama fans. So <laughs> I'm certain. That'll do it. I am certain that that got in the way of uh, us getting on TV, but it's okay because our life followed another path. We started The Biggest Loser Rejects online and eventually became the Moran Brothers and uh, documented our weight loss journey um, on YouTube and then decided to start a podcast. As noted, I'm, a, I'm an enormous Alabama fan been working for the same company in my professional life for 21 years. Um, a man of faith and was a minister for a while. Did some preaching and teaching. Um, was against tattoos until I met my wife. Now I'm covered in them. So that's pretty awesome. <laughs> um, Depends but on who you ask. Well, I'm not asking anybody <laughs> but you and me. At the moment, but that's a little bit, uh, that's a little background on who I am. And then honey, just a general overview. I don't want you to give your social security number or anything, but just a little general overview of, uh, who you are and where you're from. For There's the audience. really
1: not near as much to tell as yours. I've lived in the same place since I was five years old. I've come from a family of four. I've lived in California my whole life. Um, I've wanted to leave California my whole life. <laughs> Um, (laughs) we're still working on that dream. Um, you know, I went to college a little bit, but didn't stick for very long. And I met you and then, you know, we started this long line of have a baby, can't have a baby, have a baby, can't have a baby. So, you know, we've got eight of those now. And then slowly we've managed to grab more over the years that, you know, they just kind of show up and well, then you know we we take them in they become ours and then they're screwed because they can't go anywhere because they're ours now um once you give me that title of mom you're stuck for life um i don't know there's really not i mean i'm writing now we're, we're getting there and um so you are
0: an aspiring author and I am. looking to publish your book this year you come from an italian um a very large
1: family, extended family, uh, yeah, on both sides. Actually, my dad's Italian family is large and loud, and my mom's family, although we're large and loud, is not Italian. We're just large and loud.
0: Yeah, and I'm my uh, my family's namesake is from Ireland, so we come from you know a, an Irish background, and um, of course a mix of everything. But you know what comes along with being Italian or Irish is a little bit of hot blood every now and then. A little bit of hard-headedness.
1: We've got that in droves, actually, I think.
0: Some uh, staunch, opinionated personalities. And so... Um, and we're quite the opposite. Quincy is the extrovert. I am the introvert. Very and true.
1: We, we are completely opposite in that aspect of life. I love going out. Don't get me wrong. I like being out. I like going to games. I like being, you know, having fun. I just don't like being around a lot of people. <laughs>
0: Well, you, you know, it's funny because next it's about how we met and I want to, I want to check that box, but, um, you, you were in constant motion before I met you anyway, even though you're an introvert, you were in constant motion doing something.
1: I was getting out of my house.
0: Yeah. 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 I understand. I understand. Um, I
1: was a teenager. I wanted to leave my parents really bad.
0: (laughs) It, it happens. And I, and you know, it's funny that we have 18 year olds and more now and to see that happening in your kids is interesting. So how do we meet? I, it's a really interesting story that I've told, I've told many times and just listening to it the other day and doing some show prep. It actually brought tears to my eyes because it was really, it was really cool. It was uh, just to hear me talk about it from a couple of years ago. But it's pretty exciting how we met and I'll get into it as quickly as I can here. Um, And it's very interesting too how just a couple of decisions either way for either one of us and we never ever would have crossed paths. Mm -hmm. And um, so... How did we meet? I was out here on a summer trip um, visiting my mother in, uh, in California and slated to go back and, you know, finish up my associate's degree at Shelton State Community College, which I want to add is in the city of Tuscaloosa and the sister college to the University of Alabama, roll tide. Uh-huh. So, like, I went there, but I didn't. Um, by anyway. association, of course. <clears throat> yes. And definitely want to be guilt with, it, you know, by association with you with University of Alabama. So, um, while out here, um, you know, the girl I was seeing at the time took me over to meet the football coach and at the local community college. And I kind of decided at that point, I had my heart set on going back to Alabama, but I decided... You know, that I was going to stay in California, do some college, play some football, and see where life took me. And there was a church out here, too, that I had been connected with, so it gave me, you know, incentive to stay.
1: Man, I changed a lot for you, didn't I? No.
0: (laughs) You changed some. But (laughs) it's not like I'm anti-church or anything.
1: No, I'm just thinking you started at that church. We met. We went there for, what, a year, maybe two? And I was like, hmm. Yeah, not so much. Let's go to this one instead. <laughs>
0: yeah, we did some church hopping. But, uh, you know, we were looking for our fit. So I... Um, <laughs> I didn't
1: fit in many places. <laughs>
0: Gosh, Still I, feel, don't. I feel that about me now. Um, so with that, you know, the cost for college was just, I, I don't know. I just like to be intellectually honest. And I could have lied, got my, you know, driver's license in California and gone to college for cheap. Which maybe I should have done, but I was, you know, honest and said, no, I've been living in Alabama, so it was going to cost me triple, quadruple the amount of money to go to college out here until I got my residency, and then I could go much cheaper, like... I think a unit was 12 bucks unless you came from out of state and then a unit was like 120 bucks. Mm -hmm. So I mean, I guess that's 10 times the cost, but (laughs) doing some quick math. So I decided to, uh, you know, stay work for a year and then go back to college. And I did some interviews, um, at a, at Walmart at Staples. Um, and then this place called us rentals. That was a family, like a family referral. And um, the first one to call back was U.S. Rentals. So I decided to go for it, you know. I have no—I I knew what a lawnmower was, and that was it.
1: Oh, you knew more than me when I worked there because I walked in on the same thing. Family brought me in and—well, not blood family, but family yeah. brought me in and said, you know, we need somebody. Could you? You think you could do this? Yeah, sure. I guarantee you, I got that job simply because they only had one other female there. And it was a whole lot of testosterone in that building. And I walked in and had my interview. We did good. And then it was like, everybody wanted to teach me everything. Oh, yeah. So I was like, oh, cool. Okay, I can... sure, I can do this. No problem, dude. Fast forward nine months and I could not wait to jump a plane to Vegas and go see my friends, and then you were there.
0: (laughs) Well, so that's the spoiler alert is I got a job there and, um, you know. You were replacing me. I I got, well, you know, honey, there's this thing when it comes to building up a story is you don't, you know, you don't lead with the lead. You kind of bury it a little bit. That's not the lead. That was the lead that was the the irony in the whole story i'm going to tell it anyway so i got there um on my very first day and the first phone call i took was uh a girl who called in and asked for the boss and uh did i pass you over to the boss or did you just tell me you weren't coming in and i had to relay the message
1: um you had to relay the message cuz what well, you tried to pass me over to the boss um so it, Okay, you have to understand, I'm calling from Vegas. I'm I'm basically taking my last few days of sick pay because I don't want to come back to work. I've already given my notice, but I want to get paid for those days. So I was doing my due diligence to technically call in and let them know I wasn't coming. And here is this thick Southern accent answers the phone. Who the hell is that? That wasn't there when I was there. Uh, and you were thick. In your accent back then.
0: You never uh, told me about this part.
1: Yeah. So it it didn't click for me that why you were there or who you were. But then you took the message and passed along that I was not coming in. And I took another couple of days in Vegas to be stupid and have a good time. And when I came back, you were there.
0: Yeah. So my first day was your last day. And you called out sick. I took the phone call. And that's where we were connected. Really odd. I it's, still laugh at that too. It's Who doesn't really,
1: show up for their last day of work?
0: <laughs> well, good on you. And I was just
1: done with it. Let's just be honest. I was a teenager, and I was so over it. I well, just it's
0: couldn't. it's interesting because um, that was basically our first point of connection. But I made fast friends with some guys around there, and one of them, um, one of the guys there, had a big family, and. Um, ended up becoming a mentor of mine but in in the short term you know we started spending some time together and he needed a babysitter you know and i i had watched sally josh you know that kind of stuff now never really been a a big time babysitter but you know it was like yeah sure i'll i'll babysit not a problem i love kids anyway so you know got there met the family did some babysitting and at, at that time you know they had um one child in diapers, I think. Mm. I'm pretty sure.
1: Yeah, because by the time I came on scene, the youngest was like three months.
0: Yeah, so it ended up, you know. She baby. was,
1: I think she was pregnant when you were babysitting.
0: Yes, so it was a total of um, five kids at that time. Yeah, five kids, then six, then seven. So five kids at that time, young kids, you know. Um, one, one of the children was in diapers and, uh, you know, it was, um, it was tough, but I figured I could get through it. And then when the baby came on board, I was like, Oh bro, um,
1: <laughs> I, need, I need some help,
0: you know? And at that time me and, uh uh, my buddy, we had started working out in the gym and, you know, our relationship had started get you know, growing more beyond work and into a friendship and, and whatnot. And he had tried to set me up with. Another gal before that. And that gal just, I think, kind of thought it was dumb, which is, I don't blame her. Anyway, she was, she lived in Alabama anyway, or she was headed to Alabama to go to space camp, or she was like a teacher or an instructor at like space camp or something like that in Huntsville. So she was out visiting and was a friend of the family from a long time ago, but it didn't work out. Anyway, um, one day he comes to me and he says, Hey, I got this girl that I want you to meet. And, you know, he told me her name is Jeannie. And, uh, she actually used to work, you know, over at, at, uh, the company. And I was like, Really? And I had you confused with, uh, the old bookkeeper. I, oh, I no. That's and funny. I was like, Is that who she is? He's like, No, that's not her. Anyway, um, to make a long story short here, he shows me a three-by-five card with your schedule on it. And I'm looking at him going, oh, dude, you know, I don't know who this chick is, but on paper, she's super hot. She's hot on paper. I can't wait to meet her. And uh, he said, you know, I, I was like, I- is she hot? He said, yeah, she's pretty. I'm like, ah, cool. You never know what you're walking into, mm-hmm. you know? So um, as time got closer on for me to to meet you this was a complete and total setup that you were not aware of you just thought you were coming to help me babysitting but it was actually a setup he had something else in mind and as time got a little closer i got super nervous so i ended up inviting a couple of my friends from church um now mind
1: you i was told that i was coming under the premise that the current babysitter needed an extra set of hands and some help with the youngest because he was three months old and i was only supposed to stay until he went to bed just just help get the little one taken care of and then you're free to go. And I was supposed to actually be going on a date that night. You were? I was, but my date canceled right before I pulled up.
0: Oh. Fate has a way. Anyway, that's why you were dressed so nice. Uh-huh. Oh my goodness. You dirtbag. <laughs> why? <laughs> I I didn't
1: I didn't know I was coming to meet you, so why would I dress up to babysit kids?
0: I Hey, I don't know. So that's the first time I actually remember hearing that you were going on a date that night and it canceled. If you've told me that in the past... I have. I'm going to push back on that. Anyway, I had a couple of friends come with me because I was so nervous to meet her. I knew it was a setup. And um, I could only imagine when she shows up and there's two extra people there. She's like, what am I doing here? Anyway, she was in the kitchen... Talking with a very good, uh, art. She was in the kitchen talking with my friend's wife. They were just, I don't know, catching up, talking about this and that because you were already friends with them before mm-hmm. I ever came along. And so, in order to build the courage to go in and see you, I had to do it like a quick flyby. And, um, at the time, you know, they had one girl, the rest boys. And, uh, so, You know, she was my sweetheart. I just gave her a piggyback ride and decided to fly in the kitchen, do a quick flyby because I was, you know, too busy to meet you. Um, I I had kid business to handle.
1: Mind you, there's two other adults sitting on the couch, which I wasn't really sure why they were there, but they were there. You came in with a full-on backup plan.
0: I had to. I had to. I wanted to get in there and get out. And at the time, I was quite portly. I was pushing over three bills and uh, zero self-confidence and... Didn't know who or, you know, what I was walking into. So I loaded her up on my back and, you know, decided operation meter for the first time was in full effect. Flew into the kitchen. And then my eyes, um, what they beheld was beyond anything I imagined. And I'm not talking it up. I'm just telling you I remember it. I remember it just very vividly. And I walk in the kitchen... And here is this young lady who looks like a supermodel. And I am not overstating the facts. This beautiful blonde hair, very nice fitting jeans, this cream colored turtleneck sweater of some sort. Um, Just a gorgeous human being. And I can remember going from nervous excitement to the plane crashing. <laughs> it was it was all downhill. I just said hi, and uh, I don't know if I said anything else. Turned around, jetted out of the room, and I was just furious. Because my buddy set me up with a chick who was, like, way out of my league. And I'm like, what the heck is this dude thinking? That is really the thought <laughs> going through my head. I'm like, what the heck is he thinking? I'm this big chub this is beautiful woman and so at that point i didn't know where it was going to go and i was actually less nervous at that you know at that juncture because i was like this you is you had a- already
1: made up your mind it was going to crash
0: yeah i was like this is a no deal so i got i have nothing to be nervous about so they took off uh for a night out and you and i sat and talked and
1: kept a kid from ramming their head into the corner wall intentionally several times yeah
0: had to slow down (laughs) some some interesting (laughs) child antics
1: clean out the closet yeah it was a Uh, fun evening (laughs) yeah
0: it was a it was an interesting evening but what took place was um you and i sat down started talking and since you worked there we kind of came to terms with, you know, oh, your last day was my first day. Oh, cool. So we had something in common. And then we started talking about the boss, you know, and what we loved, what we hate, you know. And it turned into a night of just absolute great conversation, lots of laughs, and lots of connecting. It was like, I don't know, was it an, like an instant? Like I
1: think because you kind of determined it wasn't going to work you let down your guard and you just relaxed a lot so the conversation was real easy we had a lot in common um we knew a lot of the same people so that made it easier to to talk um you did have the other two there which chimed in periodically and kind of kept the conversation going plus we were watching men in black and honestly thinking back on that night any awkward situation that could have possibly happened happened and probably kept the ice broke for us because it was like the random this one's banging their head on the wall and we need you to go stop him I'm sorry what and then both of us are taken off to go stop this one and then that one's crying because it you know he's three months old and nobody could figure out how to get him to shut up and go to sleep and you know it was we were passing kids around and then of course I got um one of the the friends was a girl and she Went in the room with me, and we were trying to get the little one to sleep, and she was trying to get the the lowdown information to find out because everybody knew I was dating someone at the time. Well, you were on a break. Wow. Well, yeah, we were on a break. We were supposed to go out that night. That got canceled. That was the official we're on a break conversation.
0: The break conversation happened that night? Yeah. Before you showed up? Yeah.
1: So that was an interesting, an interesting scenario. And then... You were too chicken to get my information, so I made sure I got it before I left. Um, Now back,
0: now hold up, hold on a minute there. Hold on. It was the first night. I wasn't going to ask you, you know. It was my understanding that you were seeing somebody. I didn't know about the break part uh, up front, and I certainly don't recall. This is new information to me, that you were set up to go on a date, and that that night... He put the date off, and that was the night he decided to go on This break. is
1: not new information to you. I, I guarantee you this is not new information to you.
0: Well, what do they do? Cut these memories out when they took parts of my colon out or something, or what? Um,
1: I don't know about that. If you keep your memories in your butt, we have a problem. Um, it's not the butt, it's the <laughs> gut. They're all attached. And but, that is where memories and emotions are, thank you. I'm so maybe it got saying, removed. I'm just saying, back this up for a second and think I came in dressed really nice had my hair done had my makeup on and I was babysitting now think to other nights that I babysat and I knew I was going to see the puke child because the boy did not like to keep his milk down he liked to throw up on both of us t-shirt and blue jeans why would I dress and I had no clue I was meaning you.
0: I didn't, I don't know. I've,
1: I was told, I need you to come and babysit just for a couple of hours to get the little one to sleep, and then I'm free to go. Okay, cool. I had plans to go somewhere that night, and they all got canceled. So I stayed.
0: My, nicely done to my friend. <laughs> huh? I said, nicely done to my friend at the time. <laughs> ah. maybe, but maybe that was the case. Maybe it was just a quick... Because I didn't, I had no understanding of that. I figured you were staying the whole time with me to make sure that we would take care of the kids.
1: I was supposed to just stay long enough to get him down to bed, and then I was supposed to take off and go do my own thing. But I ended up staying. I mean, my plans changed. What the hell is what I was going to do, you know? So I hung out, and the conversation was good. Your friends were funny.
0: Um, I just, I distinctly remember, you know, us talking everything from life to fishing to football to do we want to start a family? Um, it was probably one of the greatest conversations that I had had, and it became so easy to talk to you. And I didn't. If it's something you told me that he put the brakes on that night, then he put the brakes on that night. And thank you for doing that, sir, because uh, it worked out. Because technically, when you're on a break, you're free. You have no obligation. According to, to friends,
1: person. yes, yes, yeah, you are.
0: You're free. You're on a break. Oh. We <laughs> exactly. Um, so, yeah, that's that's interesting. I'm, it feels like new information, but I guess it's not because you said you've told me. Push back on that. Anyway, at, <laughs> what had happened was <laughs> the conversation was great. I remember sitting. You like to sit on the floor for whatever reason. So I remember you sitting on the floor. I was sitting on the couch. I, it, it At that time, it hurt me to sit on the floor, you know, had my belly in the way. But we had such a great time, and then she asked for, you know, my number, and I tried to hide any, you know, overemphasizing any amount of glee, but it was like, yeah, you could have my number. Absolutely, you know, it's a big deal. You got my pager number, because we didn't have cell phones then.
1: Well, that ought to date us a little bit.
0: (laughs) Hey, what are we going to do? And then from there, we were basically peanut butter and jelly. Wouldn't you say?
1: Yeah, I think we started hanging out. We we did it a little bit different because we hung out with other people. Yeah, and that was kind of weird. I For think. You? Well, yeah, in a dating scenario, I didn't usually hang out with other people unless I went to a party or something. But I'm not a people person. I don't like to be in crowds. So, dating somebody, I didn't go places where I had to click into party scenes or teams. I mean the guy I was dating at the time was a baseball player and every time we went out somewhere with a group it was the same yeah group of guys and I just I never fit that scenario. I was always the one in the corner watching everything happen. So well, for you and I to be hanging out with a group of friends it was really different.
0: Yeah. But, I I could imagine that. Um and for me the more people the better cuz I just loved people
1: yeah, lots you did. and lots
0: and lots of people. That was kind of my forte. I was very involved, A, at work, freaking working my life away. But when there was no work, I was involved at the youth group at the church. So, you know, that was... that was was, a shell
1: shock for that one.
0: That was my life, you know. And I think we both, even though looking back, we didn't have to, we both 99% wise respected the I'm on a break thing. Yeah. And... So, we endeavored to grow our relationship as friends and we talked constantly. We spent time together constantly. But aside from that one time at Magic Mountain, there was nothing really physical between us.
1: Yeah, and even at Magic Mountain, it was just hugging. It wasn't anything. Yeah,
0: yeah, it was. I mean, we uh, didn't even have a first
1: kiss until the breakup was finalized for sure. And then you and I were like six weeks into dating.
0: Yeah. So, so we, we took it slow and we purposely took it slow. Um, on the dating side, but as far as the talking, connecting, Yeah, conversing. boy, once we
1: got the go-ahead on the dating side, man, we went full bore, and we started making things happen. It's like, okay, I got a promise ring. Okay, in six months we were engaged, and then a year later we were getting married, and the only reason we waited a year is because I wanted a certain date right, for a very sentimental reason. Otherwise, I mean, you were ready to go the next week, and let's just get this done. So I think if, if I hadn't wanted that, Um, we got married on what would have been my great grandmother's 90th birthday. And, um, I did that on purpose. She was one of the, the big influences in my life and one of the the closest people to me. So I wanted to make sure that she was there, so to speak. And, um, otherwise we probably would have been married a lot sooner.
0: Yeah. And I remember, uh, I took a trip to Alabama To visit family, see my brother graduate, and then uh, bought a promise ring. But before that, um, when we were in Lake Havasu, you know, with your parents, I I did what I thought was right and asked your dad permission to court you. With the, you know, and courting is... Which
1: I'm pretty sure made my dad really super confused. (laughs) Why is that? Because you were asking him for permission to date me, not permission to marry me. Nobody ever asked my dad permission to date us. They just show up and we take off in the truck as fast as we can before dad really gets a chance to... Yeah. Do more than say hi.
0: Well, courting is, in my understanding as growing up, is way more, way more, a a way bigger commitment than just dating because it's taking your relationship to a level to say, this dating is with intention that we're going to. what I'm
1: saying you probably hit him with a really strange concept, but.
0: Well, he was sitting in the recliner, just looked at me, and I said, you know, I'd I'd like permission to court your daughter. And he's like. Are you sure? <laughs> I said, Yeah. He goes, She's high maintenance. I said, I could do high maintenance. But I'd like to I'd like to court her. And he said, Yeah. Um, and I'd asked your mom as well, Now wait a minute, am I getting that backwards? I went to your house to ask permission to court and then I asked your dad permission to marry you. Yes, that's it. Because I remember Uh, Your dad was at work, so I asked your mom at your house if I could have permission to court you, and then the marriage question is where I asked your dad in Havasu, and he said yes. So a little twist of the timeline there. So it was interesting, and man, if if every step of the way we hadn't faced adversity, I don't know, maybe it just wouldn't be a part of our story because there was all kinds of adversity and (laughs) planning our wedding and people pushing back and planning
1: our wedding dude just getting engaged my gosh we just we were surrounded by yeah stuff from the get-go but also looking back at it
0: some very defining moments
1: you had a lot of people that had you on this I don't want to say it's a pedestal but they just had this frame of mind of who you were and I didn't see you that way I just I really didn't because you when we talked it didn't make sense.
0: Is that to say that you thought people had a lot of admiration for me and you had none?
1: No. People were <laughs> afraid of you.
0: Afraid of me. Like
1: they were afraid that if they did something that that was not biblically correct, or if they did something that, you know, you would be disappointed in, it was like all hell would break loose on them because you just you just don't disappoint Quincy. And I'm over here thinking, Seriously? That's not me. Like, no. That's why it didn't make sense to me. And I was the, um, well, I'm still known as the bullshit meter in our house. I was the one that people came to me and told me all their stuff. Like I'm the corrupt one. So it's okay to tell me because I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to be disappointed in you. I did, however, tell them straight up, get your shit straight. I, I don't have a problem doing that. I still don't have a problem doing that. But I think, um, I come off to people, uh, I have more of an edge, I guess, just because I don't, I, I I've never done the fake thing. I've, I've never been able to deal with it. You had a lot of people in your life that were not. They weren't bad people. They were just doing stupid things. Yeah, and, and they that's... were they were not on board with us because I was so different to how they saw you. I was going to corrupt you, and that was like that nobody could handle that. They had a big issue with it, and then it just kind of went from there. I think. Even in the beginning, whether we intended to make the boundary or not, we just started hacking people out of the way because they weren't for what we were doing. And <laughs> we might not have done it exactly the way everybody would have wanted us to do it.
0: Well, there were people that come that had come to me and said, "I don't, I don't like this girl for you. I don't like the way that, you know, she treats you or I don't like this about you. And it's like, well, explain that to me. You know, I didn't know to help me understand or what does that look like at the time. I was, you know, like a teenager, 20 years old or so.
1: They didn't like the way I treated you because if something wasn't right or I didn't like something, I would tell you. Yeah. And that bothered people because I'm not, I don't know how to be very discreet or what's the word I'm looking for?
0: Diplomatic. Mm, yeah, I'm not PC
1: about much when it yeah. comes to telling Just calling stuff. But that's why you and I clicked so well, because you would rather have someone tell you, dude, you're doing this and it sucks. You shouldn't be doing this. Yeah, You know, this is not your personality. What are you doing? You would rather have that blunt, straight up, this is what I see, and then have the conversation about it than to let someone go, well, I'm just not sure that um, this is what God wants for you, or I'm just not seeing that this is the the thing you should be doing. It's like, yeah. don't sugarcoat shit. Just say it. And, yeah. you know, say it to Messi. We'll clean it up later. We didn't know those terms, but I think in a way we've always kind of lived that way. We just got better at figuring it out.
0: Well, there, you know, with with that, I don't know why the forces were so great against us getting together except for that being the case and and that's hard and we've actually talked about that a lot lately just to take a rabbit trail real quick of how I just don't necessarily resonate with everybody because instead of giving me or telling me what you think I would want to hear all I care about is what's true one message what's true And I have, I can be very direct and cutting edge and, you know, sharp and mean and downright dirty. I just choose to say the truth in more of a diplomatic manner because I don't, I don't, my my goal is not to, to beat anybody down. You know, I could be straight. I could be straight to the point. I can. And I could back then, too. And I had enough room for anybody who made a mistake. And I wasn't worried about people disappointing me. See, people
1: I- didn't see it that way. And I think it it's because looking back and remembering some of the conversations, you were brought up in a very strict religious belief. Mm-hmm. And so your idea at the time was, if you cross this line, your trip to hell is coming a lot faster than staying on the straight and narrow and doing, doing what's right. It's not that you don't do what's right now you just have a very different view on the whole going to hell thing. But back then the people that we were around, I think that was their worry. was like, if I tell you, then I've just agreed that, you know, I'm doing something wrong and I'm going to hell or I'm going to have to own it and I'm going to have to repent for it. And I'm going to have to do something to make it better because that was their, their trigger or whatever. But it just, it cracks me up because we were surrounded by so much hypocrisy and it never clicked until later. And I know why we had all the adverse the, the adversity that we did, because if you and I ever figured out how good we really are together, there's no stopping us. Yeah. And it took us a while to figure it out because the adversity that hit us, dude, that shit came on stacks at a yeah. time. It wasn't like... Oh hey, you know, we we've got this little group that doesn't like us, so we are going to go through this bump in road. It was like, okay. Um now that you're married and you're all excited and and we're living in our bliss, you can't have kids. I'm sorry, what? This yeah. whole game plan that we had for our life was set up to we're going to get married mm-hmm. and we're going to have a lot of kids and we're going to have this big, beautiful family in this big country home and we're going to we're going to do this. And yeah, I'm not moving to Alabama. Sorry, dude. I'm. Um, I, I need to be here with my family. I. I. I need to be here. This is my roots. I need to be here. I. I'm not leaving. I'm. I'm just not leaving. And that was another whole, just the start of yeah. what created a snowball of hell for us in our relationship because we stopped talking. We stopped trusting. You know, we got told we couldn't have kids. That wreaks havoc on everything because your mindset goes from you know we were newlyweds I'm not even going to sugarcoat it when you're newlywed sex is the thing it I mean you got a free pass dude for as much as you want except for that one week during the month and we didn't hold back on that but then when somebody tells you you can't get pregnant it was like we started studying how do we do this what do we need to do and sex just became mechanical at that point because we had an end game we were trying to get to yeah we were trying to
0: work through disappointment you're right and it just
1: i think it took away a lot of the underlying intimacy to it i don't get me wrong we still did some things but it wasn't i think we were both kind of in the mindset of are we really doing this because we want to do this or are we doing this because i was constantly doing pregnancy tests and checking on things because it it Absolutely fried me to think I couldn't have kids. That was the one thing that I had wanted since I was little bitty was a bunch of kids.
0: The podcast. How good do you want your life to be? You gotta live on purpose for a purpose. It's truly about becoming the best version of yourself. It's possible. This is Man vs. Merit, the podcast.